Well, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us online this morning. Um, if you're watching on demand or whether you're listening on our podcast, thanks for making time to listen to this message. So over the next two weeks, we want to do something where we build off the statement that was released last month in light of an injustice that occurred. And the result of that injustice is it led to ra- has led to racial tension in our country, but also philosophical tension in our country as well. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But for the statement, uh, for some people, I went a little too far. For others, I didn't go far enough. But one thing that was pretty clear from, from both lines of thinking was that I was clear and centered on Jesus. And that was, the, that was the end game for that statement. So I'll, I'll just shoot a little straight this morning. Um, it's the worst I've seen it. And we've had some seasoned families in our church who have said to me that this is the worst they've seen it. And they've been around for a while. Um, They're really concerned about the things that they've seen has been really, really alarming to them. The thing that has really made me sad, I know that's made a few of you sad, is the fact that friends of different hues are no longer friends because of different views. The things that people post and share and retweet on social media has done more harm than good. And part of the conversation that I've been seeing, that I've been hearing, that I've been listening in on has been the same conversation that I had almost 13 years ago at a Dallas, Texas Home Depot. So I was working part-time in the receiving department to help cover the cost of graduate school. And so in the middle of the the morning, my coworker and I, who we had no issue for a while, we had this issue, and it came out of nowhere. Um, But we argued uh, something about work-related. We were in the main aisle uh, right before the uh, entrance door, and we were putting out a pallet, but I don't know what the argument was about. Next thing that I know, he says to me, he says, your people need to apologize to my people for the years of oppression they've had. I said, man, I have no idea what you're talking about. I said, we're arguing about work, but yet you're bringing this up. It made no sense to me. He said, the reason why I bring it up is because the way that you're treating me, the way that you're talking to me uh, is the same way that your people oppressed my people. It's a form of oppression. And I said to him, I said, man, my, you have me mistaken. Our family... Our family came from Germany well after the Civil War. Uh, they entered Ellis Island. They traveled to Pittsburgh, and they, they, they are bricklayers. I said, I have no idea where this is coming from. And next thing I know, our manager interrupts us. And that was it. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, that conversation later. Like the statement I wrote last month, my intention is to be clear and centered on Jesus over the next couple of weeks. Um, the, these are issues that need to be addressed, and I intentionally waited to address them for two reasons. One, to allow time to reflect and time to get more data. Look, there's a difference between reacting and responding. So look, typically when we react, it tends to be very emotionally driven without much thought given on how we're going to you know, be part of the solution. However, when we respond, it's more data-driven with more thought, okay, how are we going to be part of the solution? So we want us to be responders, not necessarily reactors. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I was a reactor when I shouldn't have been more of a, re- I should have been more of a responder. So we're talking about our site plan for the future facility, and I'm on the Zoom call, and again, it, part of it, Again, this is not an excuse. This is more of the explanation. It's it's hard with Zoom. So again, you can't pick up on what people's facial expressions are and stuff. But 
two weeks earlier, we have sort of in mind what the site plan is going to look like. On the call, it completely changed. I was double the parking. The, the building was not where it was supposed to be located. And I just completely blew up on the call. The next day, I could, well, th that night I couldn't sleep well because I knew that I should have been a responder, not a reactor. So I called Ray up the next day and said, man, I blew it. I said, I'm so sorry for not being more tempered in my reaction. And quite honestly, I should have responded and not reacted the way that I did. The fact is that we all, it's easy. It's natural for us to be reactors instead of responders. Um, I've had, had, had a, I've had a, Oh, I'll get that right. I've had a handful of families that have reached out to me and really wanted to know where we stand on the Black Lives Matter movement. And part of this is why this is so important. I think we didn't have enough data and some people were willing to support some. They really didn't know they were supporting. So let me throw out this way. There's two things I've said to everybody that's asked me. One, I believe in the statement Black Lives Matter. The reason why I believe it is because it's a biblical statement because black people were created in God's image. And they are image bearers. And because they were created in God's image, they have inherent worth and dignity. Now, the second thing I've said is there are beliefs in the movement that are contrary to the Bible. They're contrary to Jesus. And so, look, there's, there, there are three things that threw up a red flag for me. So as you go through the, the beliefs, um, one is they want to disrupt the nuclear family. Uh, a mom, a dad kids like i think we would agree that man it's so important like part of the problems we've had fatherless homes so it goes against what god god's design is the second thing is they want to affirm the lgbtq uh, movement and for us we know that any lifestyle that's outside of god's boundaries um, goes against um, what we believe about the bible and what we believe about god's boundaries and the third thing is they are promoting globalism and, and I'll be quite honest, I mean, if, if you know any history, uh, it just doesn't work. When someone is trying to conquer the world with their philosophy or their view, it just doesn't work. Um, it didn't work with Hitler. Thank God it didn't work with Hitler. The only time this is ever going to, to work is with King Jesus. It's the only time it's going to work. Because we need a perfect king that's able to bring everyone together. And the only one that's going to do that is King Jesus. And the church is a perfect example of what that looks like as we have a king that's perfect, and that's King Jesus. So as going into this message, like my intention is not to answer issues like, you know, should we or should we not protest or should we should we not riot or should we or should we not take down statues of people that were Confederates or slave owners. I'm not going to tackle any of those. Why? I've had conversations of people who think differently than me, who look differently than me over the last few months. And the conversations that I've had, some of them have gotten nowhere. What I've learned from these conversations is that we have too many critics and not enough critical thinkers. It's so, it's so easy for us to be critical. It's harder to think critically. And quite honestly, we need to be more more. We need, we need to have more critical thinkers. We really do. It's so important because here's what I've seen. People are just regurgitating what they're, what they're seeing on social media. Look, believe it or not, not everything on social media is true. And I think for some of us, we get caught up in the emotion and we're just willing to share something, retweet something that quite honestly, we don't know enough about 
to be retweeting it and it's causing more damage to relationships. Look, if you didn't know this, like, quite honestly, the media is the media because it's about drama. They want headlines. And I get that. It makes sense. And look, I've even drawn into some of this stuff. But where I need to be centered on is what we're going to be talking about today. We got to be centered on Jesus because he's the only one that doesn't change. He is consistent. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's who we need to keep our focus on. So the story we're about to read, we need to get some context because it's easy for us to sort of read Jesus in the American culture and the culture that he is in is a sexist culture, is a racist culture. Um, There's slavery, there's oppression, there's uh, persecution, there's even a class system. Guys, it's so much different than America. Like we are under the constitution that says all men are created equal. What Jesus lived through was a lot different than what you and I are living in America. So let's jump into the story. Then Jesus left Galilee. Okay, that's where some of the disciples were from. They were from a town called Capernaum. And they went to the region of Tyre. Jesus was leaving the primary Jewish territory and going into a Greek territory. It was completely different. This area was important to the New Testament story that we're going to be looking at next week. So you don't want to miss next week. It is going to be interesting because this territory, this region, played a huge part in what we want our church to look like. So, he was, going into ter- he was going into a territory that has statues built to gods, to the emperor. Um, some Greeks would have been walking around naked. I mean, that was kind of like a, the Greek thing to do. Um, they would pass Roman soldiers. And every time they would pass Roman soldiers, I'm sure they thought about the oppression that their people were going under, under Roman rule. Now imagine, he also has Simon the Zealot with him. And Simon was part of this political movement and they had mili- militant operatives. They had they trained up assassins to take out Roman um, hierarchy. They wanted to free Israel from Roman oppression. Could you imagine what was going through Simon's mind as he was seen through all this, as he was entering Roman Greek territory? So the story continues. Keep that in mind. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying at. Jesus was going all covert. He, he couldn't keep it a secret. The reason why he couldn't keep it a secret, word got around with how powerful he was. The miracles that he was performing even got into the Greek and Roman territory. And look, this was a territory that wasn't known for their faith in the Jewish God. Notice, right away, a woman who had heard about him, how she heard about him, we have no idea other than the word got around and somehow she, she found him. And notice, fell at his feet. Fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit and she begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. Look, this wasn't just a woman. Y'all, she was a mom. And no doctor, no magician in her culture could heal her daughter. Listen, she was a mom that wanted her daughter to be healed. To want her, she wanted her daughter to be better. Don't miss that. And look, falling before the feet of someone shows so much humility, shows so much respect and honor. She's desperate. Jesus, please 
do something for me. Since she was a Gentile, Mark writes, born in Syrian Phoenicia. So he's pretty clear, hey, she's a, she's a Greek. Another translation says she was a Greek. It's not that she was from Greece, but she was from a territory that was influenced by Greek culture. It was, um, if you look at a map, and I think I'm going to put a map on the screen here, it's modern-day Syria, Lebanon, and northern Israel, kind of where this region is. Now, the people from Phoenicia had a history of being called the Purple People. I, can't, I'm, I promise I'm not making that up. They were the Purple People, and the reason why is that they... Uh, used purple dye in their clothes, and that actually stained them. Now, whether she was purple or indigo, we have no idea. But what we do know is they did, they did look different from Jesus and his crew. They did. So here's the thing. Jesus saw class, and Jesus saw color. Class. She was a woman. A culture dominated by men. She may have been part of the citizen class color she undoubtedly looked and talked different than jesus and his crew look there is class and color in our culture we have to accept that but here's the deal it's okay to see that it's what you do with it that matters it's what you do with it that matters see jesus saw class he saw color and he elevated identity he elevated identity she was created in god's image that was her identity. Whether she recognized it or not, whether she believed it or not. And Jesus never shot away from anybody, especially those who weren't, you know, quote unquote, his people. He wasn't willing to shy away from them. See, you and I, we've been made in the image of God and that's an identity. We are image bearers. We're image bearers, regardless of our hues. We all have been made in God's image, which means that God was intentional how he created you, where he put you, and when he put you there. Post-resurrection, man, we've been given an opportunity. We've been invited to follow Jesus. And when we decide to follow Jesus, we become a child of God, a joint heir with Jesus. Y'all, that is so incredible. And that becomes our identity. That's central to who we are. That identity of who we are in Christ, being a child of God is central that means that's more important than whether we're white we're black we're red we're blue whether you're a democrat or republican or independent (laughs) you are a child of god and that is central to who we are jesus told her first i should feed the children my own family the jews it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs now, let me unpack that a little bit because Mark's account of, or Matthew's account of what happens, Jesus actually initially ignored her. And the disciples were like, hey, don't talk with her. We got to kind of focus on our thing that we got going on. Like, this is the reason why we left our, 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 our region and came here to kind of get away. Listen, when Jesus replies to this woman, he sounds pretty harsh. I mean, it sounds racist, calling her a dog, referring to her as a dog. But if we look at the context, the historical context, Jews hardly called Gentiles or Greeks and referred to them as dogs. That, that rarely happened. In her culture, dogs were actually pets, but yet for the Jewish culture, they were scavengers. Like, without a doubt, Jesus is using figurative language. But without a doubt, we know that Jesus did one thing. Is he saw culture. 
He saw culture, Jews and Gentiles. It was obvious by dress, by language, but also by belief that they were different. Paul writes in Romans 1.16 that the gospel was given first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. It wasn't that the Jewish culture was better than the Greek culture. It wasn't that Jews were better than Greeks. Jews were better than Romans. That's what wasn't being communicated. What was being communicated is Jesus came as a Jew, not just to save one nation, but to save people from all nations. And it just happened to be that he was Jewish. It happened to be that God chose one nation, and that happened to be Israel. Look, both cultures were filled with beauty and brokenness. One culture oppressed the other culture. And can I tell you, that's the American culture. There's beauty in our American culture, but there's also brokenness in our American culture. (laughs) Jesus saw culture and he elevated hope. He elevated hope. Notice the things he didn't tell her. Hey, be, be a Jew. Apologize for how your ancestors treated our people. Accept my apology for how my people have treated your people. Burn down your statues. Burn down your idols. No. No, see his response to her? It gave her hope. She had no longer been ignored. And this opened up the door for her to give one of the most clever, clever responses to Jesus ever on record. And I love this response. She says, look, it's true, Lord. You called it. But even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. She's like, Jesus, you're right. You're right. You came for the Jews first. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But I want what they have. I want what they have. I believe that you, Jesus, can make a difference in my life by healing my daughter. And I'm not willing to let these differences stop me from requesting that from you. Notice what he says. Notice what he says. Good answer. Now go home for the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in bed and the demon was gone. Notice Jesus saw faith and elevated healing. Jesus liked her answer. I mean, who wouldn't like her answer? I mean, it was a very clever answer. For the second time, Jesus healed a Gentile at a distance. The first time was with a Roman commander who had a, a, a sick son at home. And this is the second time that he healed at a distance. And it just shows you the power that Jesus had. But notice, he says to the crowd multiple times, he says this, he says, for a soldier demands, he's talking to the Jewish people, he's talking to his own people, notice what he says, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Did you catch that? Notice he says, pray for those who persecute you. Very contrary to what we see happening in America right now. See, Jesus laid down his life so that you and I could be healed in our relationship with God. This was something that the political leaders leaders in his time missed. And that's why he said, look, if you're going to live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. And can I tell you, look, if we're going to live by racism, we're going to die by racism. If we're going to live by hate, we're going to die by hate. Look, look, when our faith is on display, healing should be elevated. When our faith is on display, it means that we'll keep Jesus at the center of our conversations. It means when our faith is elevated, that we are committed to the teachings of Jesus and the Bible. When our faith is on display, it means that we will see people for who they are. They are image 
bearers. And when our faith is on display, it means that we are willing to listen to the pleas and requests of others. Look, Jesus ultimately elevated healing as he died for our sins, as he died for your sins, as he died for my sins, and rose from the dead, providing us spiritual life. And through his death and resurrection, and by accepting that, that's how you and I have our relationship with God restored. Look, through his life, his death, and his resurrection, Jesus provided us identity, he provided us hope, and he provided us healing. If you have any questions about Jesus, though the one that we introduce you to today, please let us know. Uh, you can let any of our hosts know by clicking their name. We're happy to walk you through what it looks like to follow Jesus. So what does it look like to elevate healing? It's a great question. We're going to be talking about that next Sunday. As we do, we're actually going to be taking the Lord's Supper together, and we're going to do it in a very unique way, nothing that we've actually never done before. So we hope that you're here for that. And we're going to be looking back at this story, taking some more nuggets from this story, but also setting us up to look at another story that happened in this region years after the resurrection. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for not leaving us high and dry. You gave us an example, and that example is your son. Jesus, thank you for being God who put on flesh. <laughs> you showed us the right way to live. Father, forgive us for jumping in emotionally into conversations without seeing people as image bearers maybe even without seeing people as child, as your child, as a son or daughter of yours. Father, I'm asking that we have the courage that we surrender to the Holy Spirit in each conversation that we have, that we elevate healing. We elevate the gospel. Father, give us the courage to do it. Help us to be responders. In Jesus' name, amen.